Hello, I'm Colin Green, and you are listening to Spike Pit. Hope this episode finds you well, folks. You've got off to a good new year and all that stuff. I'm going to give you a quick update before I get into part two of my interview with the geomologist himself, Mr. Carl Rodriguez. Well, I made it through week one at my new school. It was a short week, mostly inductions, staff training and COVID testing, I guess. Did get into some team teaching with my new engineering colleagues and it was a nice chance to meet with some of the kids some of whom I've met before and uh, they seemed quite happy to see me in fact so that was rewarding in itself and I look forward to next week won't be quite so nervous going into the second week and it's a pretty exciting and dynamic place A challenge for me is the fact that there's a big focus on something called blended learning. Uh, This is where you use technology and integrate it into the uh, teaching and learning. An example of this would be in the classrooms, all the rooms have a large touchscreen monitor that replaces a traditional blackboard or a whiteboard perhaps front and centre in the classroom and this means that for me as I tend to travel about from room to room being a trainee I can just um, mirror my laptop to one of these screens it's super handy I can use a bluetooth mouse or a bluetooth keyboard to free myself away from a desk so I don't kind of have to move around the uh, the classroom teachers stuff um, really liberating took me a little while to figure it out but was quite excited and look forward to seeing what else it has to offer there are sort of things built into the screen like timers you can use uh, randomizers there's quite a cool um, drawing thing so you can load up a sheet of squared paper and like you've got like a virtual ruler like a big ruler that you can use and different drawing tools Um, it is pretty wild stuff all the kids um, turn up to lessons with their chromebooks and engineering lessons are organized through google classroom so this is another challenge for me navigating all that stuff but in terms of organization assigning homework and um, providing links and information to your classes it's pretty amazing of course the other thing is if we get hit with covid it's a fairly smooth transition to doing some online content or if you end up with some of your pupils off with covid you can you know they still get the same assignments and they can kind of remotely join in um loads of loads of cool advantages to this and it's not this the idea of blended learning is it's just it's not a straight replacement for traditional methods it's more a way to bring things that you couldn't have done before into the classroom really helps with research uh, and sharing ideas but obviously um, if you know me 
I'm not the best with com computers, but I am learning very quickly at this point. And the impact on gaming, every day I'm seeing things that I think, oh, that would be awesome. I could do that with a D&D &D group and vice versa. The kind of, the, I think I've said about it before, but the, the crossover between running a game and teaching a class, there's um, real useful overlap, each informing the other. And I find that quite, quite satisfying and efficient of my time. I finished reading Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I found it to be, it was well written and amusing enough, but the humour, not really to my taste. And I didn't, I didn't get a huge amount from it. But what I have um, found really cool so far, I've started a book called Pillars of the Earth by Ken Follett. And I'm only a short way in, but wow, is it captivating. This glimpse into what medieval life may have been. It started with a guy who's... Um, He's a really well-accomplished mason. I don't think he's a master mason at this point, but he loves working on uh, cathedrals and really high-spec buildings like that. And it's a massive chunk of a book, a thousand pages, pretty small print, but it's really got me hooked already. And if, if you like that kind of medieval slice of life stuff, I reckon it, it could well be one for you to check out pretty famous book i've actually played a board game of it and i think it has been adapted for the screen at some point as well listening on audiobook to sherlock holmes um, it's narrated by stephen fry really enjoying that however in the audiobook format i do find it's easy to drift off a little bit and then miss what's going going on. And then because of the nature of Sherlock Holmes, I find myself having to kind of rewind a little bit. So that says more about me than the, uh, the book, obviously. But yeah, that's very enjoyable, very atmospheric, and leads me around to this idea of atmospheric stuff, literature and links with gaming. Of course, Ravenloft, gothic horror our game continues we've come to a town and we are really enjoying these sessions where we didn't do um, a massive amount last session basically we're exploring the town some leads that we've discovered are starting to bear fruit one in particular is we think we've got a strong um, lead connected to a certain a Rudolf von Richthofen, who is a character that uh, my brother's character, uh, Sion, is hot on the trail of. We want to chat with this guy, and I'm guessing that maybe next session we might catch up with him. We believe we've uh, found a half-elf who's connected to him, and yet yeah, looking forward to that. And we are likely to leave the town, make a kind of day's travel out and back, as well to um well i won't say where but to another place that looks like it could be quite risky but 
uh, it's connected to the fortune uh, telling that um, Madam, is it Madam Ava? Madam Ava? I feel like it's Madam Ava. At the beginning of these adventures, there's a Taroka deck reading, kind of like tarot cards, and they they allow a, a dungeon master actually to change up this scenario, uh, change up the, the campaign, if you like, by revealing these certain leads in the reading and then you know your players go off exploring different things because it's quite an open sandbox my understanding of uh, the adventure is that it's an open sandbox and by doing this uh, taroka reading you're kind of pointing the, the pointing the players in a few different directions so looking forward to that next time you're about up to date now, so I'll ramble on no more. Let's get into part two of my interview with my old buddy Carl. And and podcasting as well. We're, now we're we're talking on podcasting. How are you finding it? How are you finding the whole business? I've I noticed you've crept some um, background music into some of your segments, and it sounds like you're finding your way around Anchor. Yeah, I'm still a guerrilla podcaster. I don't have a professional setup. I use my phone mostly, but I'm I'm learning some of the fun tricks that you could do. I mean, I I guess if I took the time, I could blend everything together into one segment like you professionals do. But but you know, but sometimes you know, I notice that like uh like it like I notice some people just listen to and this has been groused about by some podcasters people just listen to certain just a segment or two in the podcast won't listen to the whole thing they have the option to skip all the filler the music and the transitions so you know it's good for some annoying for others you know i, I don't know i don't know what I don't, I don't know what your feeling is on that um, um i i don't suppose i really care um, it'd be nice if if people listened as the creator intended but that's just uh that's a little bit vain i guess or yeah i mean sometimes people skip to the chorus of a song or only rewatch or watch a certain part of a movie um i mean i don't know right I, yeah i guess you can't you can't slight people for their nah wouldn't wouldn't dream of it i mean i suppose um we're talking well talking about music what started you off with the idea for singing? So quite often we'll tune into Geomologist Presents and we'll hear you you're doing a bit of singing. Yeah, you you get to hear my pitchy, off key, heavy 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 reliance on the vibrato <laughs> singing. Yeah, it, I don't think it's that great. Sometimes sometimes it, it turns out decent, but I and I haven't done it for a while. I need to get back into it. I think I had some ideas for some songs that could be prompted by the, the keywords, but I just haven't, uh, haven't done it. I think there was one, I, I had a really good one for, for right, but uh, I just didn't, I was going to quote um, the Simon and Garfunkel, you know, the words of the prophets are written uh, on the subway walls. Yeah. Or I was, or well also redone by disturbed. That's the sound of silence, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, but then brush kind of riffed off that in spirit of the radio the words of the prophets were written in the uh, on the studio walls, concert halls, right? So, ah, mm. so I was gonna, 
I could probably do Getty Lee's voice better than I could do uh, Simon and Garfunkel's voice. But, oh, okay. <laughs> or I could do a passing voice of, of David Draymond from Disturbed. He has a more guttural. He does all those vocal ideations. Okay. Yeah. Come up here and then, here and there. Like I, I think I had one. I think I did one for Bone Crunch recently. Oh, right. <laughs> for Harlan Walker of Pelham's Wasteland. I did a vocal ideation. Okay. Um, where I did like, you know, if you could imagine an orc singing, saying Bone Crunch. Giving a giving a good giving a good wog in the uh, Warhammer parlance. Oh, I think I might have I might have heard that. It's probably been keeping me awake at night. <laughs> <laughs> you got any musical talents beyond the singing, Carl? Have you like do you d- dabble with any instruments? No, I've I've been wanting to. Maybe I maybe I'll do that here in the fall. Just like I I have a guitar. I I needed either you know try to teach myself there's plenty of instruction online or go to a professional to learn but i, I have a guitar oh, my wife got me a guitar a, a couple years back but i haven't really done much with it so i gotta go to beginner lessons and it'd be nice to have a to have that uh i don't think my singing is that great like i like i said but there's a guy on youtube called uh it's, it's called justin guitar and okay. I I thought he was a great a great tutor. He puts things really simply. Is oh, um, cool. I might have them. Yeah, Justin Guitar is called. He's he's really took off. He's quite big now, uh, and he's just yeah. a nice guy. I think he's an Australian fella, he, and he lives he lives over here. But he's made a real success out of it, and has done various tutorial books and things. Cool. But he he does a bit of everything. So he'll talk about amplification. He'll he'll talk about electric mm-hmm. guitars, acoustic guitars. He goes into ukuleles, and he's he's not not fright. You know, he's doing contemporary music, but he'll also do some classic. He, he just he just uh, covers songs that people tend to want to learn, and and he f- he covers all different musical styles. And it, it, I just found him to be quite useful when my son started learning guitar he picked up with justin and uh yeah you know he made good headway he, he plays the drums yeah, cool. yeah. And, and he does music at school and I, I think once you do one instrument it's easier to pick up more a bit like um if you're a, a carpenter and you learn how to you know you learn a trade it is easier to pick up other trades on top of the one you started with, you know. Yeah, just back in, like you, I remember when the decision was made, like I, back in, in middle school, I don't know what, the, so I guess it would be like seventh grade, right? You you have this choice in your academic life to go more arts or more sports, and you really can't do both. It just doesn't work well. Mm-hmm. So I chose to do, at least, at least when the school is teaching you, I guess if you had the time on your own, but course my extracurricular even back then was spent gaming huh? <laughs> so yeah so you know my scholastic extracurricular was sports right so i you know i played i started playing american football in in middle school and i went that route i went the yeah the vocational and the trade route instead of the singing and band route mm-hmm. um so along with most of my other friends i don't know you know peer pressure and all yep yep but in hindsight maybe i should have stuck with the choir thing it's never too it's never too yeah, late, never, Carl, you know? They, yeah, they say that languages are easier when you're younger, but you could still you could still lay down that, you know, lay down those those um, 
those neurons to do the right thing. Yeah, I mean, do music and I, I think too often people write them write themselves off. They they hit forty and they kind of feel like they they've done they've done what they're going to do, and, they're, and it's easy to get stuck in a rut. Uh, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm really glad to be starting a new career. I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. So if I if I can yeah. if I can take up a career, I'm pretty sure anybody could you know pick up an instrument or or start doing some artwork or any of these things that you know maybe folks like us getting a bit older but, uh, uh, attempted not to do. I would urge that that you you know pick up the guitar and give it a go. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I. I love music. I think when I'm down, I find a good song. Like the earworm right now for me is Saxon and the band's played on. So I just keep hearing that in my head. And it's a pretty cool song about a simple thing, right? So that that's what I think is great about some of these bands. They take a simple idea. And I think in the case of and the band's played on, it's a narrative about like a rock festival. Uh, probably, and it seems like it's one of those really cool situations that the weather throws at us when it, the sun is out and it's raining, you know, so yeah. it's kind of cool. And you see the rainbow and stuff like that. Yeah. So they, that's what the song is about. All oh, right. Well, wow. <laughs> it's a pretty, it's a pretty simple thing that probably happened in their career and, and a uh, Biff Byford and the guys, you know, write a song about it. Oh, that is, right, uh, that is a magical uh, phenomena as well. When you, yeah. when you get that happen, yeah. it's something quite, yeah, quite wonderful. Yeah. Now we've gone a little bit out of sequence, but that's I'll... Ah, okay. It's kind of natural progression of what we're talking about. I think you, you know, music and and music, music. I would say, and I've probably told this to people before, but might might tell it to your listeners that um, right. So there's two things that kind of kept me going, you know, and through the when you're kind of going through the through middle school or high school, and you know, there's always people who bully you for one reason or another, because you're not in that clique or another, but the two groups that really were accepting and not judgmental were the gaming group. Um, it was people from all over. We we're all, we were all nerds here. Right. Mm-hmm. And then it's the, the, the heavy metal group, the group that I hang out and listen to music with just people of all different, uh, different backgrounds and, and, and they just love, the music, <laughs> right? Yep. So way back, and that was way back in the '80s. So you know the the British wave of heavy metal, the Judas Priest, the Iron Maiden, but then the prog rock people like Rush and Triumph, and then of course that kind of led into the thrash metal era of you know, Metallica, Megadeth, and Anthrax, right? And Slayer came later, but you know that we like that type of music and that genre, and everyone was everyone was more or less equal in their enjoyment of the music that was about it you know so those two groups were like safe places when i was growing up for me i was gonna say how would you describe that yeah like a safe place kind of thing yeah yeah, definitely your freedom of expression no judgment right excellent yeah well on the subjects of games and finding your people and stuff you've been you've been running loads of games um i don't yeah i don't know how you keep track of it all uh, have you got any, like, I mean, have you found, so there's a couple of questions here, really. Firstly, have you found that recording your recaps for the podcast, has that helped? And then secondly, would there be any other tips for kind of managing multiple games that you might want to pass on to someone who's got ambitions in that direction? Uh, yeah, I'm learning the answer to those questions as, as I go, you know, I, 
And I would say that some of my players think I probably meld the games way too much. Like I never figure out what what is a prop what is a term in this game for perception awareness, notice, spot hidden. Right? It's yeah. All different. Um so you know I uh, I think that um prep is important if you want to run multiple games. And I don't say I wouldn't say that I am an expert in every single rule system, but I try to really stay on top of it for running the game and, and doing the rules. And I think I play a lot of game, different games and use a lot of rule systems because I want to run what I like to play, <laughs> I guess. Right. Um, so, so I think that answers the question. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like you, you well, firstly, you're keeping an open mind. That's important too. Right. There's, and I think part of it is also, you know, market driven, you want to play the latest, greatest, so you got to learn it. Um, maybe that's part of it. You you play a game somewhere and you get very excited. I think that's how I gotten into and enjoyed DCC a lot. I played it at conventions and and I, I played like Umerica at a convention. Like, oh, this is so so fun and funny. Super Gonzo. It you know gets to that crazy pseudo fantasy post apocalyptic vibe that I I want to convey and and I I first played it at a convention and you know now i'm running it here and here and there so but that's quite a departure from one of your current favorites uh twilight 2000 yep. what's what's the uh what's the story there with that because you've talked about it and there's been some pretty challenging subject matter that probably myself i i don't know if i'd it, it might the wartime thing might be a little bit dark for me i think but you've you've been having some interesting sessions by the sounds of it yeah oh, one question that i did not answer that you asked is do recaps help ah. with with things and yes they, i think they do they kind of help you to focus and formulate your memories for that game that had happened and then what you can do next i think at least going through that exercise really helps me for the to prep for the next game you know not like i write it down i mean honestly most of the time i do the recaps i try to do it from memory as part of the exercise so i think it helps to to go through the recap and maybe if, even if it's not recorded then to jot down some notes if you don't record it just to give you an idea of what what happened the last time um i think it's a, to then keep the continuity going that i'm a big stickler for continuity um some people do it better than others. I know, for example, Kevin Madison is good at when people don't show up for a particular game, he just just get, keeps going like it mm. like they're not there and it never happened. That's a little harder for me, but I'm I'm learning because you just got to in this in this time. Yeah. So probably yeah. two thousand now. Sorry, I was just going to say, Kev is uh, very solid at running a game, and I think the re yeah. the, the way you get a steady group as a GM is, is I, I've talked about it before, but you've just got to turn up hell or high water and it, it has to be a priority uh, for, for you. Uh, Cause if it's not a priority for the GM, you've got no hope with the rest of the group. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get back to uh, something that you, pro- you sort of prompted me there. We'll get back to Twilight 2000 in a second. I think, yep. I think that's something you'd establish in session zero too is, Hey, I know we can't always make it to every session, but are we gonna make your character bring your character along and as an NPC, or do they just fade into like the background? Some players don't want other people to play their characters, and some are cool with it. Right? I think it's something you have to establish, and you don't always like 
they're just there. Uh, if, if the players remember that they're there, that's fine. It's usually it's usually the most advantageous, you know, if you use them as an NPC, for example. And that's kind of what I prefer if it's doable, because the combat situations, you know, that extra that extra bow shot or sword slice, you know, can help. Can help. Yeah, out, definitely, right? definitely. Um, so, so Twilight Two Thousand, right? So this is a game that was developed by some pretty. Uh, cool game designers like Frank Chadwick and the Keith brothers back in the eighties. And it is a game about what if world war three had happened uh, during the cold war at the height of the cold war back in 19 in the 1990s, early and early aughts. So that's why it's called twilight 2000 and excuse me. So as um, it's a pretty complicated math heavy game, you, they even have like in the, in the first edition, what I'm talking about is like a spreadsheet for you, the spreadsheet, like, like instead of a character sheet, they have a spreadsheet for how you make your character. And then you transfer that all to your character sheet. <laughs> so, so it's pretty wow. complicated. And then there are some, some of the, they have equations, for example, during character for when you create your character. And then they even have equations for you to use for during combat for how to calculate the damage that a particular bullet does after a certain range or especially vehicle combat is pretty arduous. So this new, uh, so that's what the game is about. You're right. It's like a, it's like a near post-apocalyptic. It's like when the world goes to, goes to shit, you know, what happens and what do you do? That's kind of the, the premise and the theme. It's a survival. It's definitely a survival game because you, even in that older incarnation, you had to keep track of, of food and, and water and fuel consumption and your vehicle maintenance and, and things like that. So, and there's a new edition by free league publishing that has come out that is more or less based on the mutant year zero engine, but it's a departure. It is kind of a radical departure from that system. So mutant year zero uses like a pool of dice and you get a six to succeed in twilight 2000, the fourth edition, you have you use you have an attribute dice and a skill dice, and those dice can range from a d6 to a d12, and you roll both of those, and you try to still get a six or above, right? Right. So it's kind of it seems like it's Savage Worlds, but it's not like Savage Worlds really. So and then you there's some uh, other added things like like when in combat uh, you would add you could add ammo dice based on the rate of fire, and that can add add additional hits or additional targets when you're firing at things it's definitely still a very deadly game uh so i would say if we can probably use the most familiar like D D terms everyone has like from four to six hit points right right and weapons do at their base level even a, a pistol or a knife will do two points of damage but that's just the base level and you you add so when you hit, roll to hit you add the number of successes even the one that the initial success. So you're doing like three points of damage. So, so basically that means that on average, if you just barely hit, you're going to off someone with two stabs or two shots from a small caliber pistol, but from the bigger caliber things, you're just going to be hurt pretty bad, which is very realistic. And it takes a certain type of player and a certain mindset to play. And I think I have, I have a, um, I have a really good crew that's been playing. We played like three sessions um, already and uh and they're very cautious and they've really gotten in i can you know like i get on the discord 
a feed that we have that's a communal feed. They're planning the next session out. They're they're putting sharing pictures and and art, you know, for the various things that I've described, like especially vehicles and things like that. So, so I think they're really getting into it. They're really getting into surprisingly, um, and I think someone is making actually a spreadsheet for it. You know, all the all the all the consumable consumption. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, right. Got you. Yeah. So I'm trying to. I'm still trying to help them along with that and make sure everything is accurate and we're all on the same page. And actually, the the roll twenty character sheets are really good because they have places where you can keep track of all the the consumables. Um, and I, actually, I think uh, the company Free, Free League. I haven't gone on there yet. They partner with Foundry, and they have some uh, already made stuff to help out with the game on a virtual tabletop we play virtually right now so okay yeah the neat thing about the 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 whole game and the system is it's pretty surprisingly backwards compatible um you would you wouldn't think necessarily uh from a modern game here in in 2020 in the 2020s to like something that took that was created in the 80s but but there there are certain terms for example that were used way back in that old rule set like novice to you know, to expert and, uh, or novice to elite, I think. And then you can really easily translate that to from the D six to the D 12, you know? <laughs> so, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. They, they kind of have like a one page document, how you do that in the new, in the new system. So, so all the really cool products, there are a lot of products that came out, right? So from where you start off in Poland, when your, your unit gets smashed to hell by Polish and Soviet forces and trying to survive in, in the, backwards of Poland to trying to get home and then what, what's happened in the United States since you've been gone, you know? So it's pretty cool. They have a lot of products that are there and I really like that the new energy that is coming up for interest in this game. Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, it sounds, it sounds good. I mean, back in the day we played it, but I don't remember very much about it. I'm wondering if we only perhaps made up characters or something like that. I, I can't, I don't remember going out, and, and really sort of I don't remember us engaging with the game properly and I can't the thing I keep wondering what what has actually happened in terms of the fallout from from the nuclear war well it was like a limited nuclear engagement and they do have rules for radiation and um, you, you know you the characters might not know unless they have previous Intel so like things like rumors and radio chatter are important they're part of the encounters that you can have and you talked because you really you might have a map and they have like modern maps of that time but you don't know what the hell is going on there right so you get to a town mm. and and it's like ruins because there's probably some limited nuclear engagement not like you might have known that already because the war had been raging for five years like some places were targeted with nuclear limited nuclear engagement so they have like site you know sites that are ruins and there's actually one adventure called the ruins of warsaw which got hit so and they have rules for radiation, radiation exposure in that game. Oh right, I was wondering. Yeah. And that, as they say, is a wrap. Big thanks goes out to you, the listener, for taking a bit of time out of your day to listen to old Spike Pit. Take care and I'll catch you later.